This work he did very, very close to Bhaktivedanta Ashram. Um, it's just kind of around the corner, um, practically, where he was living and where his 
uh, wife, his widow, Archamurti, now lives. And maybe it's a, not exactly the same place, but close. And uh, then, after his translating, and he would every day uh, visit Bhaktivedanta Ashram, he would give classes there. He had a small Sanskrit school. Uh, and and then his um, his his book his translation the editing of the book uh, was done in Bhaktivedanta Ashram uh, by His Holiness Keshava Bharati Goswami together with His Holiness Jayadeva Swami both of them highly seasoned editors. <laughs> And uh, Keshav Bharati Maharaj just, he, this is, he loves to speak about this time when he was working on this uh, because the book is so utterly nectarian. And then on top of that, because Gopi Paranadana Prabhu was right there so they could consult with him, discuss with him. And he was such a nectar devotee. And Jayadeva Swami was such an actor devotee and also so expert in editing. So he always speaks so fondly at that time. As I said yesterday, I'm just going to sample um, passages out of extracting from the Vrihambhagya Tamrita, which is arguably not a nice thing to do, <laughs> because it should be uh, read sequentially, but I would say also, um, being the nectar that it is, one can also relish from any side, any aspect of it. Uh, I also mentioned that both parts, the first and the second part, are describing journeys. And we talked about um, spirituali spirituality of seeking, uh, or spiritual seeking, spiritual dwelling and spiritual practice. And we can say that all three of these are present in this book. We might not be happy with those terms. We might just want to say it's Sambandha Avideya Prayojana. Avideya would be practice. Prayojana, we might want to say, is dwelling. And Sambandha is um, seeking. Um, okay. Take it or leave it. Uh, but uh, both parts are, are journeys, and uh, for today we'll just touch on one or two uh, very partial extracts from, uh, from the first part, in which, as many of you know, Narada. Narada Muni. Some devotees say Narada Muni. 
It's not a... Um, <clears throat> is visiting one devotee after another initially praising that devotee as um, being very dear to the Lord, to which the devotee invariably responds with expressions of great uh, embarrassment, even anger, that what what is wrong with you? <laughs> you have completely you have a complete misunderstanding of what is uh, what it means to be a dear devotee of the Lord. Of course, they're all dear devotees of the Lord, uh, and that's an artist point we can say, but he's also looking for the dearest devotee, the one who, uh, or the group who had received uh, the greatest mercy of the Lord uh, who are most dear. So it's a kind of progression, and it could be, if you like technical terms, it could be called a doxography. A doxography is a, 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 a graphy, it's a charting of, of a, it's setting out a hierarchy of doxa, of um, positions of philosophical positions, generally theological positions. The... Ramananda Sambhada, the discussion between Lord Chaitanya and Ramananda Rai, is a kind of doxography. Another doxography is the second of four parts of the Vedanta Sutra. <laughs> and uh, there's many doxographies like that. Anyway, um, what I want to do now is read a few verses and maybe some of the commentary. That Narada is, uh, he's, he's gone now beyond Earth planet. He visited uh, one, he, he met one Brahman. The Brahman said, you got the wrong person, the real mercy person receiving the Lord's grace is... Um, this particular king in South India, he goes to the king in South India, that king says, oh, you've got it wrong, it's not me, it's Lord Indra. He goes to Lord Indra, and Lord Indra, as you may imagine, says something similar. Uh, he says, no, it's not me, it's Lord Brahma. So he goes to Lord Brahma. And, let's see, where can we start? Well, yeah, um, okay, this is Lord Brahmasvi, I should back up uh, some. So he's been praised by Narada in so many ways. And uh, now, Bra Lord Brahma wants to refute what Narada has said. 
And he says, where does it start, Brahmavacha? He's got a lot to say about what's wrong with himself. Sri Brahma said, here we go, this is verse 57 of chapter 2 of part 1. Sri Brahma Vacha Ahamna Bhagavan Krishna Ititvam Ting Pramanatam Yuktitascha Maya Vishnam Bodhidosi Napadatam. Lord Brahma said, I'm not the Supreme Lord Krishna. On what authority and by what logic do you say this? <coughs> Haven't I constantly taught you about this since you were a little boy? Now, remember, what's the relationship of Narada and Brahma? Narada is one of the children of Lord Brahma. So now, Brahma, as a father, is scolding his son. I have taught you. <laughs> what's wrong with you? Have, don't you, haven't you learned your lessons? Next verse. His personal energy, Mahamaya, stands within his sight like a maidservant. He means Krishna. It is she who deploys her material modes to create, maintain, and demolish this world. Now, the Bhattriya Bhagavatamrita is Sanatana Goswami's um, condensation of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he's put it together in such a way as to make uh, two very uh, engaging narratives. And within the narrative, there's so much teaching. So, this is one of the major teachings of the Bhagavata. What is maya? The word maya appears in the Bhagavatam, um, sometimes by itself and sometimes um, in a compound, uh, something over 600 times. This has been counted by Gopal Gupta, Dr. Gopal Gupta, um, who did his doctoral dissertation at Oxford University on the subject of Maya in the Bhagavatam. <laughs> and then he wrote a book about it. And it's a whole book just about Maya in the Bhagavatam. And all the different ways that it's used. So, anyway, this is one of the subjects of the Bhagavad Okay, Rama says, All of us are subject to her and bewildered, so you should not think me the recipient of even a trace of Krishna's mercy. This is Lord Brahma. He's, he's the top person of the universe. He's got four heads. He's looking in all directions. He's 
he's, he's up there. And he's saying, <laughs> not even a trace. Let's see, what is that? Krishna Kripa. Lesha. Not even a lesha. Not even a little bit. And he goes on. By the power of Krishna's maya, I am always deluded by various conceits. Various uh, What's a conceit? A conceit is a, um, an attitude. I, I have certain attitudes. Uh, I think myself the controller, grandfather, and spiritual master of the universe, proud of my birth from Krishna's lotus. I think myself a great ascetic, his great worshiper. I'm overwhelmed by the countless duties of universal management. Worrying about the imminent destruction of my planet, I live in terror of the all-devouring end of time. All I want for myself is liberation. So he's, he's really making kind of a confession. And I'm, I'm a busy man, and I'm always worried that my whole planet, everything is going to be destroyed, which is, of course, he, he's aware that this is going to happen at some point. And he's, he, it's a confession because the Bhagavatam is, is Bhakti Shastra. It's not about liberation. It's about Shuddha Bhakti, and so he's confessing to <laughs> Nar. I'm only interested in liberation, I'm sorry. For this purpose of liberation, he goes on, I engage others in worshiping the Lord. And also, I worship him myself. Since he is the Lord of the universe, is there any place where he does not reside? And he goes on uh, glorifying the Lord. <laughs> Just consider this, my dear professor of logic. He's kind of speaking sarcastically. Uh, that's a translation of vichara acharya. <laughs> vichara means uh, to consider vichara acharya. Vichara acharya. Oh, vichara acharya. Oh, you professor of logic, you. He loves only devotion. He shows his mercy only to his devotees, never to non-devotees. Forget about me having any devotion for him. It's not there. I would be happy if only it were true that I never offend him. I cannot expect him to tolerate my offenses as he does Lord Shiva's. Okay, now he's going to 
start remembering what is highly embarrassing for him. Uh, okay, here. With benedictions obtained from me, the wicked Hiranyakashipu became the tormentor of all the worlds. Dedicated to violence against Vaishnavas. After the Lord, in his form as Nisingadeva, destroyed Hiranyakashipu, I and my entourage stood fearful at a distance, trying to, trying, trying to praise the Lord with skillful prayers. But he would not even honor us with a sidelong glance. Yet, when Prahlad was an inaugurated king, the Lord at once became pacified. Then I slowly approached him, the Lord, and he angrily ordered me, you should not give such benedictions to demons, O lotus born. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I kept on giving benedictions to wicked demons like Ramana, whose tongue can even mention the sins Ravana has done. And I gave him, I gave him benedictions. Remember the offenses committed against the Lord by Indra and other demigods I appointed, Brahma says. So he's really he's taking on all the faults. The excessive pride of those demigods constantly perverts their discrimination. Indra sent rain. Okay, here we go. Prishtiyudhadinendrasya Govardhanamakadishu Nanda Harnabhaniya Indra sent rain to retaliate for the Govardhan sacrifice. Oops. Is there translation? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, you have a retreat. Okay. Indra sent rain to retaliate for the Govardhan sacrifice, sometimes fought against the Lord and committed other offenses. The Lord of the waters, Varuna, offended the Lord by kidnapping Nanda Maharaj, by failing to return the cows belonging to Bana, and so on. Yamaraj made mistakes like allowing the wrongful death of the son of the Lord's teacher, and Kuvera 
was responsible for the wicked misdeeds of Shankachuda and others. So this is quite, I find it quite uh, striking, quite amazing how Sanatana Goswami is tying together what we might not connect. Um, there's one episode after another in the Bhagavatam. And in this case, Lord Brahma is saying all these troublemakers who made trouble for Krishna were appointed by me. It's my fault. And so that becomes a point, that single point of connection. And then that gives us a context. Narada is trying to praise Brahma. Brahma says, no way. And we understand why he's saying that. Because he's taking responsibility for all of these troubles that have happened. Of course, we read, we hear, for example, about the killing of Shankachuda. And we celebrate how Krishna defeated Shankachuda. But then there's the other side saying there wouldn't have been this trouble if it weren't for Kubera, and I'm the one who appointed Kubera. (laughs) So, and then we could, you know, take it a little step further back in terms of um, just the the broader major, major theme of the Bhagavatam, which is causality. Uh, What is the cause of everything? That's the subject of the very first verse of the Bhagavatam. So, what is the cause of everything? Ultimately, the Lord, but Brahma is taking responsibility here. Oh, he's also taking responsibility for the serpent friends of Kaliya. Because the Daityas are uh, also under Brahma. And he says, and recently by my magic, Okay, now it comes. Big confession. Recently, by my magic, I stole the calves and young friends the Lord was watching after in Vrindavan. I took them all away while the boys were having lunch. I then saw some most amazing wonders and became frightened. Offering prayers and bowing down to the Lord, I thought, I am so arrogant, but now, in his pastime, as a cowherd boy, he has tricked me. Simply by the spontaneous glance of favor upon me, from his lotus face, I became joyful. I realized 
how fortunate I was to have visited the land of Racha, which is so dear to him. Just see the artfulness that uh, Sanatana Goswami now glorifies Vrindavan Racha by saying that Lord Brahma realizes his fortune at having come to Racha. Although he made this great mistake, great offense, trying to steal the calves and cowherd boys, now on the other side he sees, oh, I was blessed by coming to Russia. And why is it a blessing? Because the land of Russia is dear to Lord Krishna. And he goes on, fearful that I would commit more offenses if I stayed there too long, I then went away. What else need I tell you about my ill fortune? So the whole point of his speech is to say, I'm, I'm, you, you got the wrong person. And now he's going to say, the person you want to meet is Lord Shiva. Then he's going to praise Lord Shiva. Then Narada will go to Shiva, and he will praise Lord Shiva. And then Lord Shiva, what's he going to say? He's going to say, ah, I can't say that about So then we'll jump to what Shiva says in his defense, so to say. Okay. Uh, this is yeah, this is, uh, I'll jump into the middle of what Prashiva said. Chitra Ketu Prabhritayo Dio Ti Am Shasrita Hare Vendakaya Tyapi Svasya Tevyo Kupyastata Vinaha. Although Chitra Ketu and others like him foolishly dared criticize you. Okay, sorry. This is not Lord Shiva speaking. This is Narada. Narada is praising him. So although Chitraketa and others were foolishly criticizing you, you never became angry at them. Why? Because uh, they were surrendered devotees of plenary portions of Lord Hari. So he's saying, you, Lord Shiva, recognized that, oh, these devotees, they may be uh, criticizing me, but he doesn't become angry because he sees they're, um, they're surrendered devotees. Mm. 
Christ. Um, yeah, Amsha Ashrita. They are persons who are whose shelter is Amsha of parts of the Lord. Okay. Um, then, once, just to please Lord Krishna, you express the desire to become even greater than he. Huh? What's this about? But then, you very cleverly modified your request, asking him instead to make you his devotee. Okay, we need some explanation what's this about? Kopi Paranandana Prabhu explains. This, in Lord Shiva's opinion, was a particularly egregious, that means serious, offense based on the desire to be worshipped. Still Narada is praising him. Right, he's praising him because he's saying, Shiva, you you had this desire to be greater than him, but then you modified that, that request to become his devotee. Alright, now what's this about? He confesses, that is Lord Shiva confesses. In the Brihad Sahasranama Stotra of the Padma Purana, Alabha Chadmana Pujam Samyat Adadito Hare Hari Mayata Smadavi Shraishtyam Vanchataham Kritatmana. When I didn't receive the worship I wanted, I served Lord Hari thoroughly in devotional service, but with the egotistic motive of becoming even greater than he. Now this is getting a little complicated. <laughs> it seems that... Okay, Lord Shiva is confessing. I, I, you know, I was doing this. Okay, I was sh making a show of being very humble, but really, what I wanted was to show off how great I am. And Narada is saying, hmm. Narada is seeing the other side of it. You wanted to be his devotee, and so he's seeing only that side of it. Uh, continuing the explanation, in this way Lord Shiva berates himself, he criticized himself, but the truth is that even then he acted only for Krishna's pleasure. He thought that Krishna would be displeased by a direct request that Lord Shiva become his servant. Since Krishna is self-effacing by nature, he does not like exalted persons like Shiva to act subordinate to him. <laughs> 
Here we may hear some echoes of the pastime of Advaita Acharya with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They were sort of, there was a competition to be the servant of the other. (laughs) So Lord Shiva instead submitted what seems the opposite request. Krishna has declared his servant greater than himself, Madhvakta Puja Yadika. More important than worshipping me is worshipping my devotee. That's from 11th Canto. Therefore, Lord Shiva cleverly asked for that greater position. So it's, it's kind of a double twist of, in order to become lower, to ask to be higher. <laughs> Lord Shiva had also once overheard Krishna while playing dice with his queen Rupini declare his devotee even more glorious than himself in order to allure the dice into acting as his devotees by serving him nicely. (laughs) So Krishna was before throwing the dice, he was preaching to the dice. Come on, you're my servant. <laughs> and you're more glorious than me, don't you understand? And therefore you will, you know, do what I want you to do. <laughs> I want to win against Rukmini in this dice game. <laughs> The pujaris in, I guess, some temples, but in the Radharman temple, every uh, during uh, it's during Karti, toward the end of Karti, uh, the pujaris sit in front of the deities and they play uh, dice on behalf of Radha and Krishna. Have you seen this? Yeah. On Diwali. Is it on Diwali day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's only that one day they do. Yes, and the last day of Kartik. The last day of Kartik. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But it's also, I think, well known that Lord Shiva plays dice with Parvati, isn't it? Yeah. Um, actually, Manas Goswamiji, you're here now. What I want to suggest is that I stop now. And um, if you would like to begin with a little bit some kirtan. And uh, devotees may just come and go. Um, but um, Prasad will start at 6.30, hopefully. And uh, we shifted a little so that it'll be a little earlier, and then they'll come back. We can have nice. Wood. Is that a good proposal? Yeah. Let's try. Let's try that. Yeah. So I'll stop there. Um, I think you get the idea of what's going on <laughs> in this first part of the I want to, yeah, maybe tomorrow we can discuss the session, section about Prabhupada.
Priyad Bhagavatam Itaki Jai, Shiva Sanatana Goswami Ki Jai, Lord Brahma Ki Jai, Lord Shiva Ki Jai, Narada Muni Ki Jai, Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai, Lord Prema Mandela Ki Jai,